Hello and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence, Holy Family, and St. Joseph in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rhoda, and with me I have Deacon John Foucault. How are you doing today, Deacon John? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me today. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Father Eli's out of town, and so it's like, hey, I should have Deacon John back on. He's been on a couple times, I believe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's good, good, good to have him um, just around and, and his wisdom. So you're too kind. <laughs> it's good to be here, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how's your week going so far? You, you said busy? Busy week so far, yeah. Um, communion service today at Primrose, one of the adult facilities that um, we have in our area currently at this time. I always enjoy that and being able to visit with the residents that are there and uh, provide a communion service for them and then go visit a few individuals in the rooms who can't get out and about. And yeah, just some things going on. So. Yeah, okay. How, how often do you do that? Uh, right now I do uh, Primrose the second Tuesday of the month, just once a month. Um, with our announcement that took place in regards to the split of St. Joe's being yeah. separate, that'll now fall under Father Petrich's and St. Joe's. So we also have in our boundaries, if you will, for the St. Lawrence and Holy Family, um, a Viewcrest, uh, Beehive. Uh, there's one other one that's escaping me right now. Um, Elysian, I think it's called up by Coffee Creek and so forth. So we okay. have some other areas that we can look at to provide services to as well. Sure. Are some of those still kind of on more like lockdown yeah, type some, of things? Yeah, some are definitely still on lockdown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. More the mem the memory care ones are more on lockdown more so than the the more uh, assisted living or the nursing facilities. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you you. You mentioned some of the the big news from the weekend. Yeah, is that, big news. Yeah, our cluster is gonna have have some some changing happening on this month too. At at, at that yep. at the end yep. of this month, last of week November. of the month, first weekend of Advent. So, so yeah, Saint Saint Joe Joe's will be kind of doing its own thing. Yep, back be, to a standalone parish with a full time pastor and uh, administrator being Father Petrich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm sure you know maybe next week when Father Eli's back, we'll. we'll We'll t dive into that a little bit more, um, yeah. Um, but but yeah, so kind of some some big news. But it was it was also it was kind of fun having the the bishop here. Oh, it was fantastic! I was able to assist at both the Saturday and Sunday mass with him and okay. listen to his homilies, and uh, he's just a joy to be around. He's so mm -hmm. filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, anytime the bishop's here, it's always nice to to uh, be with him, but also to see the congregation so excited and people come. Yeah, you know, people are oh the bishop's coming, so others from other parishes will come as well. It's kind of nice to see. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was nice to have just kind of the, the ex, kind of, uh, yeah, a, a little excitement, a little buzz. Well, Sunday we out. had 11 o'clock, we had five servers. We haven't had five servers at St. Lawrence for a long time. Mm -hmm. So we were able to do incense and everything. It was really nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, well, yeah, so today uh, for the episode, we're going to talk about uh, a couple different things. We're going to talk about giving, uh, tithing, uh, stewardship, and we're going to talk about the the the, the UCA a little bit. Um, but uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about money. Yes. You know, which which I was thinking, you know, you're you're always told, uh, you know, don't talk about money, religion, or politics, and we're we're hitting two of them. That's right. We could you know we could find a way to th throw throw in we the, throw the third one in, the third one in. Um, but uh, but but yeah, it kind of got got me thinking like, don't talk about money, religion. Or, like, or politics. And just like, that's, uh, it seems like whoever came up with that statement, it's like, oh, those are really three important things that we should be talking about, right? They are. And whoever came up with it doesn't like conflict um, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, conflict yeah. can be healthy. Um, 
communication is key to conflict resolution and respecting individuals' opinions uh, is required for us to love one another. Uh, respecting someone's opinion doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but being able to talk about all three of those things can be a very healthy environment. And the Catechism does talk about politics in a realm of having a uh, political party to oversee uh, communities for the good of all, uh, creating, putting laws in place and so forth. So uh, in religion, we do have the political realm uh, and we do support when it is good for the human being and good for all involved and concerned. Yeah, and, and when it comes to to money, I've, there's a lot of different sides of money uh, that that we could talk about, but today we're going to talk a little bit more about like not not personal finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, this probably isn't the uh, the uh, podcast for personal finance, um, but um, but just talking about like how do we uh, what what does maybe the church say about money, and how how do we deal with our money in the realm of the church when it comes to you know tithing. Um, and giving, stewardship, all those good things. Okay, so before we do that, should we open up in a prayer? Yeah, yeah, Great. please. Before we dive into the heart of the subject. Yeah. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, we give you thanks for this beautiful day you've bestowed upon us and the time for us to come together and share some conversation around these very important topics. And we ask that you open the hearts and minds of all those who are listening and all of those within our congregations, and may they be led by the Holy Spirit. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit. Amen. So why yeah, should we give money to the parish, I believe was your question, yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, as individuals, it is our responsibility to support our local parishes and the church as a whole. Uh, as without it, we will not have a building to uh, worship in, to give thanks in, uh, to go to, to celebrate the sacraments, which are so important to us. Uh, marriages, baptisms, uh, funerals, and mass on a daily basis to receive Christ himself in the Eucharist. So without the financial support of those involved in the community, that type of building and structure, in essence, could not exist. So that's the number one financial Mm -hmm. uh, principle in regards to finance, regards why we should support our parish. Also, when we give, when we give from the heart, it does make us feel good. And we are called to give. We heard in this last week's gospel in regards to um, the the woman giving uh, the last that she had. And being able to do so and having faith and trust in God that will provide for us, we are called to give. And we're all called to give from our our treasure, our treasury in regards to what we have and what we've been given. Um, Everything that we have been given is a gift from God. That includes our our financial situations in life. And they they do vary um, from... Uh, different individuals and economics and, and so forth, which is uh, commonplace, but we're all called to give. And if we do not give, uh, we have no institution that we can then rely on to help us further our faith, uh, as we're called in Scripture as well, to evangelize. Um, evangelization is having buildings and structures and parishes uh, that we can then use to further education, to further the message of the gospel, to further um, service to others, that the church has always done. Yeah, and you know, like tithing, the idea of tithing and maybe the the definition of tithing comes from the Old Testament, and it's kind of escaping me right now what book it's from. But um, or maybe it was just the like law of Moses. But but it uh, there is the old kind of rule law in the Jewish faith that you're supposed to give ten percent of your income away, right? right? Where whereas in the, the modern church and the way that the Catholic church looks at it, they don't really put like a number on it. It's right. not like you must give this certain amount. 
um, like we're kind of we're dispensed from that law. Um, but it's looking at like, but we want to give from the heart, and that's kind of what you just exactly. said. And um, and yeah, it was kind of. Um, I actually didn't look at the gospel before we started plan- planning this out, and I was like, oh, th- th- this is a, like a perfect gospel like it for is. this. Yes. Um, and because the gospel really hits the heart of that, if she just gave you know two small coins, um, but Jesus said she gave more than than everyone else, and it's out of this like, and th- there's there's a line like she gave out of her poverty, yeah. um, which is just is kind of striking, um, which you know not saying that we're all called to give everything that we have. Um, because that's not realistic, right? Exactly. But, but, but if we don't survive, mm-hmm. we can't then survive to give. Correct. Right? Yeah. We can't Correct. continue yeah. on. So in the, the respect of the tithing and, and the giving, giving a, a fair share back to God, you know, the 10% number had come up before, you know, 10% of 100% is not really a whole lot when you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. But when you allocate uh, where the rest of the 90% goes, then 10% can be a fair share for giving to charity, giving to stewardship, and so forth. Yeah. So one needs to look at um, what can they do within their own household or their own self to determine what percentage they can give. And now the tithing also can expand beyond the parish, you know, various charities that are out there as well. Is it uh, before tax, after tax question, you know, do I tithe on my overall compensation or tithe on my take home? And all of that. We won't get into the nitty gritty of that, but the message is we are all called to give. Uh, We feel good when we give and we're all called to do a financial stewardship to not only our local parish, but as we'll talk about in a little bit, to the global church as well in the UCA. And the UCA is not only our local diocese, but it also does some um, uh, overseeing of national collections, we call them, which then go to uh, world uh, needs. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it's kind of funny, looking back and thinking about this, um, back when I um, worked for Focus and I, I had to fundraise my, my, my salary, right? And I remember, you know, I'd go and meet with people and kind of like pitch, yeah, this is what I'm doing and I like I need support so that I can live and be able to do this ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of people made comments and not in like a really like mean way, but but just like, it's like, you know, the church should pay should pay you to to do this, and it's just kind of like chuckling to myself because I'm like, "Who's the church?" Exactly, <laughs> right? the church? Right? we are the body of right? Christ. We are the church. We are the ones that should be doing. Yeah. Therefore, we should be giving. And so I was just kind of it's just kind of laughing to myself. And you, know, maybe I should have you know, went into like a like a little like explanation, but but just like, yeah, like. The church is paying me to do this, exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like the church, the 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 body, the of, people, Christ, the body of Christ, the people are are, are 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 funding this as you just said that it should be, you know. Right. Like that's, so, that's a good point. So it's just just like kind of funny thinking about that, but but I don't think that's a modern like like we don't really think about it that way. No, when they that person was thinking the church being the physical building, legal institution structure that has money collected on a weekly basis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so. Um, but but when we look at more of like no like we are the community who's, um, like we are the church, we're, we're the hands the feet, and um, and when we look at it from that way, I think we see more of like oh I, I'm a part of this. It's not just there's the church and here's me right. It's we're all here together and and it, it, maybe that sense of ownership helps us uh, wanting to give back. Right? Well, hopefully it does because we should have a desire to give. 
to share what we have. Um, and that can be difficult when individuals are struggling. Um, but that doesn't always mean uh, you have to financially give. You can give of your time as well. And figuring out, you know, if, if it's not a 10% of a financial, maybe it's a 10% of my time that I give back. I tithe. I give my uh, time, talent, and treasure. We, we hear mm -hmm. that uh, quite often. Yeah. I was just um, going to mention that back in 2008, Pope Benedict um, talked about the importance of material buildings, okay, um, the uh, churches, the basilicas, the structures, as today we celebrate the Feast of uh, St. John the Lateran, um, the Basilica in Rome, right? Mm -hmm. And in his commentary, he talked about the community's need to gather, and then that every community has the duty to guard where they gather at and to support that as a sacred building. So go you know, back to Pope Benedict 2008, we're even talking about um, the requirement to support the beautiful buildings that we have, the parishes that we can go to for a daily or a weekly worship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's great to you as we, um, as we also think about like how much we do receive from the parishes, right? Oh. Like I think so many times we can think of the parishes as like, this is, this is mine. And it's like my, this is, this is my, my place where, um, like I, I have this and it belongs to me. There is definitely right? an ownership that people take in their parishes. Um, we witness that today in the struggle that we have in clusters in parishes. Some parishes have to close because we don't have sustainability for funds or we don't have the ability for uh, priests to serve that congregation because it's in close proximity or way further proximity and so forth. But that ownership, that sense of, of that's my parish um, does exist with individuals. And that could be a good thing. can also be a negative thing because uh, holding on to the material item and not letting go when we need to can be very difficult. Uh, when we hold on to that item too tightly and it's not for the greater good or the common good of all, meaning uh, we're overburdening our priests to be able to support and we have uh, a lack of financial ability and therefore it's becoming a, a, uh, a burden to um, support from the individuals that are there, we need to let go of that. And I'm not referring in any way, shape or form to what the announcement was this weekend, but we hope that there's new growth and there's new life and that St. Joe's continues to flourish and grow and develop. Um, but when we have that ownership in our buildings, we see it in schools, we see it in houses, um, it's a material item. It's how I view it. And when we have that material hold, we're not trusting in God and letting go as we need to, to have things flourish and grow and develop. Yeah. Um, how has the way that you've thought about giving changed from like before you, be, you were a deacon to like after you were a deacon. Like has, has that changed or do you think it stayed, stayed the same? Um, no, it didn't, stay, it didn't change uh, through the ordination uh, or the um, discernment to the diaconate at all. Uh, it changed in uh, probably my late 20s to 30s. Um, definitely changed when uh, I had more financial stability. Um, was able to uh, be able to give more, my wife and I, to be able to give more to charities into the church. Um, still having, you know, some scariness there sometimes in regards to what we're being asked for this. So we'll step up and do that and a little concern about it. But with knowledge, um, giving became a greater desire. Understanding uh, 
where money's going, what money's doing. Uh, throughout my earlier years in my parishes, I was finance council, right? So when you're in the finance council, you see what's coming in, you see what's going out, and you see if you've yeah. got surplus, you see what's being asked for that the congregation doesn't know. Things that money has to be spent on. A boiler needs to be repaired or replaced. That's $50,000. Stuff like that. You gain a greater understanding and appreciation for it. So I think that also maybe opened my heart a little bit, my wife's heart, in regards to where we could give and tithe and, and, and uh put our resources. Um, we do do a variety of giving ourselves in regards to other charities as well, the Maternity Home in Duluth and so forth. We support the Blizzard Tour for ALS and Diabetes for personal causes and so forth. But having that sense of giving comes from the heart, comes from one within. And sometimes it develops over time. And the more you give, sometimes the better you feel than the more you want to give. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a quote from St. Francis Assisi. Maybe that's misquoted, but it's like, uh, it's in giving that we receive, mm-hmm. Yeah. right? And I think, uh, yeah, that's just, like, so true, too, because yeah. it's in that, like, giving of ourselves. Whether it's, you know, whether it's just money or time or talent, like, in that uh, giving. And that's why people like, you know, going and serving at a, like, Ser- serving somewhere, you know, on like the, on Thanksgiving, they'll go and like serve food, yep. like that. Um, and because we do it, it's, it can sound selfish, because it feels good to give, but it mm-hmm. feels good to give because you see what you're doing for others, and that's the receipt back is that that good feeling, that gratification of I'm helping someone else through this. It's not a self satisfaction necessarily feel good, but it's a feel good through the service to others. Yeah. Maybe even just like putting a smile on someone else, someone's face, right? Yes, exactly. Right. Um, as we do kind of think about like time, talent, and treasure, that's probably an aspect of uh, like of giving. You know, you can give all of those. And we focus a lot on the probably treasure part because that's usually the part that we're in the most need of. <laughs> um, but but like – what do you think it looks like to be like a good steward as a Catholic, like to hit like all three of those? What's it look like to be a good steward to hit all three of those? Yeah. Um, being someone who does what you can within a reasonable limit. Uh, individuals can overdo it as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we said you, know, you, you can't continue to support yourself if you have nothing to live off of, so therefore you can't give everything away. You can also give all your time away. Uh, if you're a married individual, a husband or a wife, and all they do is donate their time and don't pay attention to their family, that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, their talent, if they're called upon because they have talent for making baptismal garments, so that's all they do day and night for you know a year and a half, that's not necessarily healthy. So having a balance between those is healthy. And being able to give in all three of those areas to where you can within a reasonable limit is a good disciple. Now, it doesn't mean you're doing all three of those all the time. Uh, if somebody who's working and building a career or somebody who's getting married and has a lot going on or newly married, changing jobs, you may not be able to do all three of those. So you're gonna do whatever you can at that time. And importantly, from the heart and where God's telling you, you should give some of your time, talent, treasure as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, that, that's a really good point and leads into another question that I actually wrote down was kind of giving fatigue. Mm-hmm. And I think 
we can, uh, like as a church, we can cause this in all the areas because we'll find, you know, maybe we, like we really need people for, you know, X, Y, or Z. And, and so we kind of go back to like the short list of people. It's right. just like, hey, uh, we need help again. <laughs> it used to be the 80-20 rule. Yeah. Yep. The 20% of the people did 80% of the stuff. Now it's down to, I'm told this, I can't remember who just told me it, 93 and 7. So 7% of the people are doing 93% because the short list has gotten that much smaller. Yeah. And it is a, a giving fatigue because if there's an event that needs to be done, you call those people because that's who you're used to calling. You may not know some of the other people, but we need to really step outside because people want and need a personal invitation to help out in whether it's time, talent, or treasure. Um, as an example, we have a, a beautification project going on here at St. Lawrence and individuals want to participate but sometimes they need that invitation and they need the education on how and why we're doing this and when that happens then they open heart and they give either their time talent or treasure as well yeah yeah and yeah i, th- I think that's some, like a fear that we can have to as a church it's like oh like we need we need to get this done but how are we going to do that if we have to keep on going to this person right, right. and and i think that's part of just the entire parish becoming healthier right is having more people giving right many hands make light work yeah. right yeah. so and i've been involved in very various um service organizations and so forth as well and the more people you can bring into an initiative to have uh, a dedicated share of something whether it be a, a share of fundraising or of giving or um you know as an example here if we're going to do some destruction you get a bunch of people to do destruction, it might go a lot faster, be a lot easier, but you have a lot more people having a sense of pride and giving and participating versus three people that we always call upon to just do it. Sure, and, and, it, and that could go where it's the the good sense of ownership. Yes. Not not as much in, as, as like, this place belongs to me, but maybe I belong to this place. Exactly. That's yeah. a very good way to put that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, good. Uh, transitioning to talking about UCA, yes. you know, United everyone's Catholic appeal. Everyone's three favorite letters this time of year, right? Yes. <laughs> well, really about May is when it becomes a favorite, and then all of a sudden in fall when we have to meet it. But so it's mm-hmm. interesting. Let's let's talk about UCA. Yeah, yeah, because uh, this is one of those things that makes me think of like giving fatigue because yeah. it can, because it comes to maybe this time of the year where it's like all right, it's crunch time, and then we have the you know, we're doing another second collection. And it's just kind of like one of these things where it's like, oh, like, it's like everyone's maybe like not trying to make eye contact. And it was like, oh, I'm just going to like, right. Don't pick on me type of thing. Um, at, at least that's that that's my experience of UCA, <laughs> which which is not a, a good, probably the experience that we, we want people to have. Right. Correct. Um, so so maybe if you talk a little bit about UCA and like the why behind it um, and then we can kind of maybe get into sure. more details. Well I wish we would uh, rename it because the name has been United Catholic Appeal for many 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 years and I think we can continue to do a better job in our diocese of explaining what this actually is in May households receive the literature from the pastoral center and a lot of it goes in the garbage. It doesn't get read because it's a United Catholic appeal or being asked once again for money. And then in the fall, uh, congregations are told, 
we have an assessment, we need to come up with the money, it's either coming out of our savings or else we have to uh, donate to, to meet it. And the assessment's typically about 18% of the ordinary income of the parish, I believe that's the numbers. So that assessment, um, in a lot of people's minds, when they hear the word United Catholic Appeal means I'm going to donate money and it's going to go somewhere else. Well, the United Catholic Appeal is really a diocesan appeal. It's a bishop's appeal. And um, I, I know this to a certain extent because I've studied some of these other ones and they always fascinate me on how different parishes meet their UCA gold or their bishop's appeal in July because people understand what it's for and they begin to tithe a certain amount to that on January 1st, not just in October, November, and December. And therefore the money is coming in throughout the year as we do, but to a greater degree and the goal is being met. So our UCA, our United Catholic Appeal, and, and uh, we could have Franz on someday, our controller for the diocese or even Bishop to talk about it, is a Bishop's Appeal. The money that's raised, the majority of it stays within our diocese. It goes to support our diocesan programs. There's a lack of education in our diocese about that. People don't understand how that money's divvied up and where it goes. The Northern Cross does a great job of doing a recap of it, typically around July or October, of the financial state of the diocese and where that money is allocated to. As an example, the formation program for the permanent diaconate is funded through the UCA. So the United Catholic Appeal, the money that people give throughout the diocese, pays for the formation of individuals like myself through a seven-year program. Exact dollar amount, I don't have what it costs, but it's in the thousands of dollars because instructors are brought in, they're housed here. We go through uh, educational programs for seven years and there's a cost to that. And that's what the UCA covers for some of that. It covers liturgy oversight in regards to our liturgical director, Father Joel Hastings, for the diocese and ensuring that we're doing the proper liturgy throughout. It covers things such as the tribunal council for the uh, nomens and the marriages, pastoral center operation. So it's not necessarily a united meaning outside of our diocese. It's united within our diocese of Duluth that those funds are raised and used for. The national collections, which we also do second collections for, there's I believe 12 of them throughout the year, those are collections that are done nationally, typically used for either national or international purposes. And there's an office in Washington, D.C. that oversees all of that. So the parishes collect the money, send the money on to the national office in Washington, D.C., and they distribute those funds accordingly. So there's always a confusion on the second collection. Is it for the national one or is it for our local one? Yeah. United Catholic Appeal, UCA is our diocesan appeal. It's the, the funds to oversee our diocese. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, you kind of highlighted a couple of things just of, like, different ministries within the diocese mm -hmm. that that money goes to and helps support. And, you know, when you think of, uh, you know, as, as well as the formation of deacons, the formation of priests. Formations you know, of priests, exactly. On, you know, seminarians, ongoing, uh, uh, ongoing formation for the priests, like retreats, you know, there's... Uh, so many different things there are and uh and you know there's a handful of things too that even just like the normal lay person like will uh be reached to with that our know? diocesan assembly we haven't had for uh with covid but um that's an example of something that's put on where hundreds of people go it's a day-long event it's mm -hmm. a wonderful event um to be able to have those types of things supported financially from that uca is definitely key if individuals, if every, here's my thought, if every parish 
would begin the uh, the appeal on January 1st rather than in May. And intentional giving was done every month. And individuals uh, looked at, you know, could I do $5 a month? Could I do $10 a month? Could I do whatever it might be? If every individual did what they could do with their comfort level of giving, that UCA would be met in every parish every time without ever having another second collection. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, like I know you said that there's um, you want to like have the name be changed and and uh, yeah, and <laughs> I push I've asked for that for yeah, entire years yeah yeah no that's funny uh, and even looking at how um, maybe how it's done or how it's assessed and everything. Yeah, there's a finance council for like the that. diocese, diocesan finance council mm-hmm. that does that. Um, it's basically, it's looked at, if, if I understand it correctly, um, I'm not on the diocesan financial council, but it looks at what is our past need been, what is our future need, and then yeah. what is that value, what's that dollar amount, and then you, it looks at what is our, our parish's uh, ordinary income, you know, the, uh, what's been given on an annual basis. And then a percentage is assigned to that. So every parish doesn't have to contribute the same amount. So if you have a larger yeah. parish, which has more uh, of a, a larger congregation and more of a regular income, then that percentage is assessed to that, where a smaller parish or smaller income, same percentage, but it's different dollar amount. Yeah, because if it was like a, like a flat, a flat, I guess I don't want to say fee, but... Right. but assess, call it assessment, uh, flat uh, assessment. Yeah. yeah, like if it's a more small rural parish that doesn't you know maybe only has 200 families exactly. you know that's that's very different than you know uh like our parishes that probably have a combined you know 900 a thousand families right we have 850 i believe pretty close pretty there close. you go, that's, there you from go. That, that's from that annual report that you put together yeah, when i yeah. first came um there are a couple of great uh, videos uh about our duluth uca out on the Facebook page for the diocese. Uh, the bishop has one that was out about a month ago, um, and I'm not sure if Mary Roche has one or someone else has one from the pastoral center. But I'd encourage our listeners to go and listen to those, learn about the UCA, learn about what the funds are utilized for. Because I'm going to pretty much go on a limb and say I would guess or expect that there's going to be something that's going to touch your heart where you see those funds are going that you may not have realized that you're going to be pleased to give and support it yeah sounds like a uca pitch yeah yeah it does <laughs> weird yeah that wasn't uh, our, wasn't our intention <laughs> um and you know i was i was on the website yesterday looking at stuff and they actually have a little like um excerpt from our own uh their st lawrence parishioners kyle and nicole schmidt oh really um yeah yeah there, there's a little just kind of scene like how uh the uca has touched both both of their lives and now kind of looking into like uh how it's uh, like affecting their kids and stuff like that so that was that was a cool little uh little uh write up there well so. that and that's very true because it does go down to affecting your children you know, these programs that are in place that we are supporting as a diocese does trickle down into affect our children and our children are what they're the next adults to run our communities so we want to support them mm-hmm. yeah yeah you, just thinking like all of the you know uh, I guess I guess I'm not sure if it really affects like the cost of mission trips, but when you think about survive camp and a lot of the 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 youth camps that are very powerful in kids' lives. I know even in my own growing up, um, 
that those are all supported. Right. You know? Oh, there's so many. That's why I can't so. name it off the top of my head. And I, if we're going to do UCA pitch, we could do it another time. I'll bring more of the detail. We could dive into that. But yeah. um, the, the message is uh, UCA is a diocesan appeal. Uh, funds utilized, uh, majority there is probably some that may go elsewhere based on Bishop's discretion of what needs to be done. Uh, four programs within our diocese that impact uh, individuals and in, in our uh, our congregational members uh, to a degree that they don't even realize. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah. Thank you very much, You're welcome. Deacon, for coming on and uh, talking about about money and religion and. I like uh, to talk about giving. money. I always told Father, you ever want to talk about money from the pulpit? If you don't want to, I will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's always, you know, a great, uh, you're, you're, I, I've said multiple times that you're a great asset to our to our team. But uh, one thing is we can just say, hey, uh, we don't want to talk about this. Uh, Deacon John, do you want to talk about this? And then and I'll usually say yes. <laughs> I like the talk. So, so yeah, well, thank so, you for having me on. It's been a pleasure once again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. And uh, thank you, everyone, for, for listening. Uh, We hope you have a great rest of your day, and we will uh, catch you next time.